I'm Lauren. And I'm Ashley. And this, guys, is Nip Tuck Pod. We are your girl chat. We say the things you want to hear, the things that you're thinking but you don't want to say out loud. And we're all about being strong, aspirational women who basically don't give a... Uh, Lauren, anyway, if you want unfiltered chat, amazing beauty and product recommendations, then look no further, guys. This is the podcast where you will get all of the girly chat. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. and welcome to Vicky Patterson, The Secret 2. This week I am joined by none other than podcaster, author and dating expert, it's Lala Let Me Explain. How hey, are you, babe? I'm good. How are you? I'm so honoured to be invited onto here. Oh, babe, don't be silly, man. We've been meaning to get you on for absolutely ages. I actually, um, ever since you sent me your book, I felt like everything you have to say deserves like as many platforms as possible. So thank you so much for taking the time. Ah, thank you. We were on a podcast together, actually, that never got came out. I was just saying this to me, producer, and obviously I don't, like, I will, the people will remain unnamed. Um, yeah. But I was like, I wonder why that never went anywhere. And then yeah. I thought, ah, I bet you that's why it never went yeah. anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bless them. Um, I wanted to just address the elephant in the room so to speak because normally there is a youtube for my podcast normally i make we make little audiograms with video but this week there will be no video uh because you'd like to keep yourself anonymous why is that lala oh because i i, I look like noel edmonds on a bad day ah! <laughs> no not really um you know what i started out my career as a social worker and well before that i worked in prisons and then I went into social work, uh, child protection. And obviously you work, you know, I've, I've been in situations where I've, I've helped uh, women leave abusive men. Uh, I've been to courts to, to take children away from their parents. And, uh, and I started all of this when I was still actively working as a social worker. So I started out anonymously for like safety reasons. And then when I left social work and I um, did this full time, I just felt like keeping my anonymity was safer. Uh, but also I've got a little boy and I think some of the stuff I talk about could lead him to be like taking the piss out of school. You know, teenage boys aren't really ready for mums to be talking about HPV and herpes and whatever online. Um, and also I just, I don't want to be famous. Being famous looks really fucking stressful. You know what I mean? I'm not saying you make it look, you make it look no. wonderful, but like it does look really stressful. No, no, I think that's like, obviously for all the reasons you mentioned, like respectful to your son, your own safety, like those things are obviously super important and 
I, I take my hat off to you, you know, that's really responsible. But actually, in terms of putting your own happiness first with the fame thing, like, I think that's smart, mate. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm really grateful and this isn't about to become like a poor little, poor, poor little rich girl thing because I'm very happy. But I always said if I could have, just have the money and not the fame, I absolutely would. Like, but the, the problem is you can't really have both. I mean, Banksy seems to be doing pretty well, but the, and that anonymity really holds me back financially massively. I can't it? do yeah, I can't do TV. A lot of brands want you to do reels and stuff with your own face in it, and so oh yeah, I mean, I, I I'm nowhere near rich, not not even close. I'm in my overdraft most of the time. So uh, if I was if I wanted the money, I just don't know. I just feel like once that genie's out the bottle. I could suddenly yeah. start making loads more money, but would I then feel more vulnerable? And I don't know. I think it would be an adjustment, definitely, like, you know, but I suppose that's a question you have to ask yourself if the risk is worth the gain, essentially, in the mm. long run. Maybe it's when your son's a little bit older. Yeah, that's what I've been thinking. When he's an adult and he can protect me from, <laughs> you know, no, I would never do that to him. But yeah, like, yeah, I think things may change. But for now, I'm happy the way it is. Yeah, and I... I was really interested to hear that you started as, did you say you started as a social worker? So I started off actually as a, a sex and relationships educator for the NHS. So I used to teach in schools, colleges, youth settings. Uh, I used to help young people to learn about safe sex and relationships, uh, sexually transmitted infections, contraception and consent and all of that jazz. And then I went into being a social worker because what used to happen when I was teaching young people about sexual health is we'd get a lot of disclosures. A lot of people saying, I didn't realize until you taught me about sex that what my dad was doing to me at home was not normal, uh, was not what everyone's having at home. And so then I was like, oh my God, I want to carry this through. I want to help these people. So I went into social work um, and did lots of different kind of stuff in, within social work, but became quite an expert in domestic abuse. Uh, and then moved into this. Wow, mate. Honestly, I feel like I, I really underestimated this chat today. Like it's starting off quite heavy and I'm quite an emotional person. Like how do you, in the face of like confessions like that from young children, stay so strong? Because I just don't think I could, Lala. I think this, that as a job would break me, definitely. Yeah, it's, did you know what? I, it's kind of a fucked up thing really because I've become not desensitised to it because you never become desensitized to it if you do you have to you, you can't do the job anymore but um sometimes I will say things to people really traumatic graphic things like oh this is what I did at work today and I'll see them like recoiling in horror or nearly crying and I'll think fuck like no this is just not an everyday thing for most people so so yeah I'm sorry that I just went in sh straight without a trigger warning about what people's dads might be doing to them at home but you, you do get trained into it. You, 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 you learn that once you're involved and once somebody is giving you that disclosure, you're actually at the start of, of things becoming better. And so there's something so powerful in somebody giving you a disclosure. And, and there is so much responsibility in having to deal with cases like that, that you are able to separate emotion because you have tasks, you have things to do, you have to save this person's life or you have to make this person safer. So you can't get bogged down with thinking about how sad this all is. And sometimes you go home and you do and it hits you and you can't sleep. Um, but it is, uh, you know that once you're involved, you're, you're at least trying to make things better. So yeah, you can reconcile yourself with that. 
I suppose the hope that you're going to make things better would make would make you feel better, wouldn't it? Yeah, and that's partly why I had to leave was that I started under a Labour government and then by the time I was finished, we were under a Tory government and austerity had already started. And by that point, I just felt like I couldn't possibly make a difference. Like the, 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 the way that they have robbed money from social care and children's services makes children incredibly vulnerable and actually I got to the point where I thought what is the point in anybody even referring these children in we have no money we have no resources we cannot help them so sorry to make this all political but yeah you can't help vulnerable children when you've got no money in the pot for public services. I feel like it's an absolute disgrace and but then everybody I speak to, I work with a lot of charities, Lala, and like myself, I'm affiliated with um, NACOA, the National Association for the Children of Alcoholics. Mm. Like, I don't have to tell you how vulnerable the children of alcoholics can be. Oh, I um, am the child of an alcoholic. So, yeah. <laughs> Samesies. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I feel like um, they were promised money that was never delivered. I know the country is broken and everybody's mm. crying out for something, but the fact that they could turn their back on on vulnerable children like that's just the nail in the coffin for me if I ever needed more of a reason to not like the Tory government Mm. um mate I wanted to ask go back a little bit um I always felt like the minimal sex education that I was given in school that was given by like a fucking PE teacher or something in a free period was always like in like at the time I was just giggly and nervous but in retrospect I I felt like it was inadequate Mm. um but hearing that you like as a professional went into schools and stuff I feel like that's more on the right track of what young kids need yeah I mean and this was a long time ago I was a sexual Aye, health educator feels progressive yeah I was a sexual health educator in like the early 2000s and we we focused on four we did a carousel of four sessions and it always started with self-esteem thinking about how you feel about yourself and what you are seeking when you're trying to get attention from boys or flirting with people or trying to get into relationships. Um, and then we would the next session was about healthy relationships. So looking at what you see in the TV and the media, looking at your family, thinking about what a healthy relationship looks like. Uh, and then it was uh, sexually transmitted infections and then it was contraception. But actually, I think even back then, I was like in my early 20s and I don't think I I reflect on it sometimes and actually while I think we were really progressive and we were doing really good things like we had a box a letter box and so uh, young people could ask any question they wanted and we would answer it for them you know if a child is asking a question if a young person if a 14 year old is saying what does it mean when my boyfriend says can I teabag you you answer that question and I know there's a lot of shit in the media at the moment, <laughs> there's a lot of Christ. stuff at the moment about um, sexual education and teaching children about sex. And there's a lot of stuff about, I don't want people going to my school, children's school speaking about this. But would you prefer your child to hear that from some dickhead in the playground who, instead of saying, well, actually, teabagging is this, and it's not really a common thing to do, might say, well, let me show you. Come round here and let me show you. Or or they Google it and then they somehow end up on some dark web or, or, or whatever, you know? I would much rather children learn absolutely everything, full facts, um, from a professional, from an educator, rather than from the playground, from porn, from groomers, from whoever. Um, so, yeah, we were, we were really honest. But when I look back on it, where the way that I was having sex and approaching relationships at that time in my early 20s, I'm kind of 
reflecting now, was I really able to even give them any advice? Because I don't think I knew anything back then. I've learned significant amounts since then. So I'd hate to see myself teaching like a recording of it because I was probably chatting quite a bit of shit. No, but then I feel like you were probably doing the best with the tools yeah. you had at the time. And it was probably a lot better hearing whatever basic or, like, you know, information you had then compared to what you've got now, of course. I'm sure it was still extensive to whatever knowledge I've got, even in my 30s, you know. But I feel like it was much better them hearing it from you then, Lala, than, like you say, any of the other potential sources. Like, I get it, you've grown loads, you're amazing, you're so much more knowledgeable now. But don't do yourself an injustice, mate. You definitely provided a really great service for them. Like, I feel really passionate that... That, sh- that should be something that still happens in schools. And I just don't, I, f- uh, yeah. I feel like it's not. Like, oh, it's certainly not in all schools anyway. It's a bit mix and match. I think, you know, a lot of people who go to very religious schools uh, are not getting anything more than quite biological uh, education. Um, and then it depends, like you say, it depends what, what priority the school give to it. You might have a school that just gets the maths teacher or the science teacher or whatever do- doing it. But you'll have other schools to actually buy in and opt in to having real, real people doing it. But but like I said, there's a lot of backlash at the moment on social media um, about sex education in schools. A lot of parents removing their children from sex education because they think there's some kind of indoctrination happening. Uh, and it's really sad. It's really sad to see. It's starting to sound a little bit like what's happening in America don't want yeah. to know about drag queens x y and z and I just think in today's age where news travels so fast you know like it's not even like back in the day where we used to have to wait for a newspaper the next morning or the evening news to find out like what like depraved levels had sunk to or what tragedy had happened out there now I feel like we get it instantly via social media and subsequently more and more people are picking it up and running with it and I think it's scary I want what to I want children not obviously children feels like a feels like a um bit of a it feels hyperbolic. I want young adults to have a to to understand what's going on in their bodies. Do you know what, mate? I didn't understand what was going on in my body. I can't remember who I was talking to about this now. Um I've never been a proper mad sexual person. Um so I'm I'm not talking about urges and feelings like that. I'm talking about like me periods. Like, I didn't understand at all. And whether that's like, you know, I didn't grow up in a household that was very open. Me mom didn't talk about stuff like that. We've had conversations since, you know, and she was like, well, I never have Vicky. And I'm like, it wasn't your fault. I'm not saying, I'm not having a go at you. I'm just thinking to myself, I will do that differently. Um, but also, like, in terms of, like, the, the school, like, I never got the teachers, anybody. I never was given enough information. And subsequently, when that all happened, I felt really scared. You know, the period thing is such a big thing. And I've I've started becoming that annoying person who is like to all my friends, do you track your cycle? Do you track it? And I don't just mean you get your diary and you go, my period was on the 28th last month. So I'm assuming it's going to be on the 28th next month. That's not how it works. And I think like you say, I mean, I remember being disgusted, disgusted, by my period and to the point where I started when I was 14 and I was so embarrassed that I didn't even tell my mum I started initially for the first few months of bleeding I was shoplifting tampons from the local news agent because I was so embarrassed to think that if I had to buy them then this man would know that I had blood coming out my vagina and that's the most disgusting thing in the world and then you go to school and people are like periods yuck 
gross. And and it wasn't until actually really in my 30s, I'd, I'd already been a mum for like six years before I really started understanding the impact that ovulation was having on me, the impact that, so I've got ADHD and PMDD, which is uh, pre-menstruated. Yeah, yeah, you're the second person to have this conversation with us, Lala. Like, I think I have PMDD too. Well, it's very common. There's a massive crossover. So, mo- well, not most, but a very, very large percentage of women with ADHD also have PMDD, which is premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And it's more than just PMS. So with me, yeah. what happens is I experience ovulation really strongly. So I get incredibly horny. And then the ADHD doesn't help. Do oh my God, yeah. And then the ADHD makes me chase da- dopamine. So if I'd have understood all this when I was younger, I'd have really got myself a lot more. So that so ovulating, I'm horny. ADHD makes me chase dopamine. I'm then so like you're prop. Yeah, yeah I'm proper like, on the lookout yeah, for a fella. I'm in love with the fucking really ugly man over there. And then next minute, luteal phase happens. <laughs> You have a drop in estrogen and a rise in progesterone. And that's when PMDD symptoms are really going to hit. And that's when you might be like, oh, I don't even fancy that guy who I've been paying attention to. But also, this is why I can't stand the world. I can't even look at anything. I can't hear anything. I'm overstimulated. Noise sounds crazy to me. I'm deeply fucking depressed. Um, And then the period starts and it's okay. And at no point in my life, I just thought I'm... A psychopath. I'm just a psychopath who can't maintain a mood for any length of time. And then you get, I got to 30 and I'm, or, or 35, came off the pill, and I'm like, fucking hell. This is like, and I can now track this every month and I can know what my moods are, are, are doing. Why didn't anyone tell me this when I was 14? So yeah, women are truly, truly robbed of the ability to know ourselves, to know who we're attracted to. Um, to, to really understand what we're, what we're going through just because we're robbed of education about hormonal contraception, ovulation, periods, pill, all of that stuff. It's very fucked up. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Listening to you talk, la la, like, it makes us, yes, really emotional. Because I'm like, that's really sad and really scary. That, and do you know, I feel like that now in my 30s. I was shoved on contraception at like the age of, I think, about 18. I went to uni um, <clears throat> and seen one of me, one of me flatmates get pregnant. Like, you know, and it was an unwanted pregnancy. I feel like that's a horrible term, but there's no other word for it. It was unplanned. And um, I seen everything I tried to go through and I was terrified. So I went to the doctors and got put on like, I got put on the in, the implant in my arm straight away. You know, I think when I explained I was at uni and blah, blah, blah and everything, they just thought that was the easiest thing. 
And because it was easy, mate, like, don't get us wrong, you get it whacked in and then you don't have to do anything about it until four years later where you get it taken out and a new one put in. I stayed on that till I was 32. And it was 15 years of my life. And it was only when I was in lockdown, I think. And like, you've got, I had more time to sort of look at myself and be like, because you know, when you're doing a million other things, when you're working, when you're, it's hard to, to, to pinpoint your mood, like your moods and, and say like, oh, that's not right. Or this isn't okay. I just thought, like you say, I just thought I'm a bit fucking mental. So anyway, I remember in lockdown, I was like, there's just something not right. Like, I don't even, like, I, it's everything's getting worse. My moods are getting worse. Like, I can't control my emotions. Like, there's something not right. So I spoke to a couple of doctors and they were really dismissive. Very much of the opinion, like, this is periods. This is a this is a woman's cycle. Like, you're going to be up and down and, you know, all this stuff. And I ended up having to go private and speak to a woman. And I told her, and she was like, first of all, let me just say what, what you're feeling. Because I was like, I know you're probably just going to tell us. I was, you know, I was embarrassed. Mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I was almost like preempting her saying, it's just a period. I'm sorry, you really have to get over it. So I was like, I think maybe, um, I'm, maybe I'm just being a bit dramatic, you know. And uh, I told her, and, and the first thing she said was like, let me just tell you the things you're going through aren't normal. Like, first thing I want to do is get that um, contraception out your arm mm. because the fact that you've been on it that long is scary. Um, she was like, and secondly, then we'll look at how you, like, how you adapt and how your body sort of regulates itself with just your hormones. Mm. So I, I'm 35 now, lass. I got it out three years ago. And um, I feel like I don't know how much of the personality I had from when I was 18 to when I was 32 is my contraception, mm-hmm. was all those hormones flying through my body that weren't mine, that weren't necessarily natural, that were like, you know, all those was, I don't know how much my personality was just that yeah. and how much is actually me. I'm a different person, mate. And like, I look back at Geordie Shore and fucking Volcano Vicky and, you know, oh, she's a bit unstable she's a bit, and all this stuff. And I think, you know, Maybe's maybe there's an element of me, mate. That is very opinion that is very strong and opinionated. I'm not gonna deny that. But also there's a huge part of me that was that was just struggling with these un like these these unnatural hormones in my body. I'm exactly I literally the same. Uh, like I could could not have more of a similar experience to you in in, in the sense that once I came off hormonal contraception, I actually felt sad and I felt like I'd lost a period of, of years of not knowing myself or who I was and then masking ADHD and masking PMDD with these hormonal contraceptions and just everything, not knowing myself or who who, who I was. And, and it's it's been so significant for me. But I also think within this conversation, it's really important to say that for some women, hormonal contraception is the best option. So I think it's really difficult for people to hear these kind of discussions and think, well, fuck, like, do I need to stop taking the pill? Do I need to take the implant out? No, you don't necessarily, because actually it may well be better to have those personality changes and for you to not be pregnant, Um, you you know, or maybe that hormonal contraception is managing really bad acne or something like that. There are going to be many reasons for many women why hormonal contraception is the best choice for you, especially not getting pregnant, um, because I think that's a whole big conversation about the burden of of pregnancy and childcare and stuff on women um, and us having to be really sure before we, we go ahead with that. Um, but yeah, but I, I think that if you are someone who could come off hormonal contraception, you 
should con- and could consider that because it's it's epic. It really is epic, and it, and it does. It's interesting. I don't know if you've got with Erkan before or after hormonal contraceptions, but there's lots of women who will meet a man, marry him while she's on the pill, come off the pill, and be completely not attracted to him in any way, shape, <laughs> or form. That's that's fucking terrifying. Yeah, yeah. People have had divorces after they come off the pill because they're like, I don't like this man. It was the pill that made me choose him. Yeah. That's sneaky contraception. Yeah. No, I, I do, just just for the record, still fancy Good. a candy yeah. fucking lush. Um, but uh, no, it was hearing you talk about your the, your cycle, Lala, that made me think. And like, obviously I'm in a, in a happy, healthy relationship, so I'm not like, oh, I'm going to get with that ugly fella and then hate mm-hmm. him the next week. But, but that moment beforehand, I'm like, I say things to Erkan and I know because I'm very open so I verbalise everything. So on those couple of days that you were talking about, mate, I, I can't remember the exact like term you used, but I'm like, I love you so much, Erkan. Like, I'm so grateful for you. Like, I don't know. And I say all these like, you know, quite soppy things like, you're so handsome. Like, I say all these things, right? And and then like when that next phase starts, I'm like, get away yeah, from yeah. now. I fucking hate you. <laughs> and mate, it's over like days. Yeah. And I think... This boy, he doesn't know whether he's fucking coming or going, but I'm so excited to be able to tell him after a day, like, listen, <laughs> it's normal and it's part of recycle. So I'm so sorry, just be prepared. Yeah, well, exactly. And this is the great thing about tracking it is that once I get an app, and I know that there's some issues around apps because, especially now with the recent abortion case that we just had in the news this week about the lady doing the late term abortion and, and whatever, but, and especially women in America shouldn't use tracking apps if they're planning to ever or not planning. But, you know, if if they may be in a situation where they need a termination, don't use the tracking apps. But I think we're pretty safe to do it in the UK. Get one of those apps. I use, I think it's called My Calendar on Android. And it will tell you, because it changes. It's not always, your period's not always going to be bang on 28 days. It might be 27, it might be 29. So you can predict and it will tell you when your ovulation time is. And that's usually about 10 days after the day first day of your period so then you'll ovulate about 10 days later and then you'll have to fall off about four days after that so you can tell you arrange date nights for that time during ovulation because that's when you'll fancy him the most that's when you'll want to have sex the most and then avoid like big meetings or date nights or you know sexy time or whatever during the luteal phase because you're probably a bit irritated by him and a bit icked out by him you know and then that will return and keep going throughout the month but if men understood this better, then they would probably have more patience yeah. and, you know, it's important stuff. That's, that, that is what I think, like, so, and I love Erkan for loads of reasons, mate, but, like, his sensitivity towards what a woman goes through is not one of them. Mm. Like, he, when I, was going, when I was going through my egg freezing last, like, I remember that had to up my hormones loads at the end because for want of a less, you know, more scientific term, the eggs just weren't egging like they were meant to. Um, and I remember just being fine one moment and doing me injection and, like, you know, doing the dog's dinner and then sitting down at, to watch the telly. And I remember just f- bursting into tears. And it was obviously just, like, a wallop of hormone coming, like, flying through my system that I just didn't know how to deal with, you know? And I remember him just looking at us on the sofa and being like, my poppet is crazy. And just, like, moving... And I was like, you know what? If you want to say crazy, Erkan, like, I'm about two minutes from fucking losing me shit. So I think I would love it. 
and obviously knowing all that I know, that it's not Erkan's fault. Like he just has never well, it is ha- take some accountability. He should be better. He's a grown man, but um, he's never been told. He's never been taught. I think I'm probably the first girlfriend that ever has told him I had me period. You know, so schools, parents, whoever it is, do have a real responsibility to teach boys about this as well as girls. Oh my god, absolutely. But and then that comes back to that embarrassed thing. You know, I would have liked to have pretended to men that I, I I'm one of those girls that doesn't fart shit or have periods you know girls have periods that are I'm, disgusting I'm <laughs> yeah you know and, and I and I think you know we we hide that conversation from from men um because we don't want them to be disgusted by us and that is so fucked up so I'm really like I keep tampons out in my house if my son comes and says oh what's that I'm like that's a tampon you put it in your vagina when you bleed like, that's it. Like, he doesn't need... If he grows up knowing that that's just normal, then he can support his female partners in, in the future. And I think we should all raise our boys like that. Yeah. Honestly, mate, I was just going to say that. I bet your son's going to grow up to make somebody... So, and so many more things than this, but he'll make somebody a lovely partner. Oh, let's... Really understand I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, he will. He will. Absolutely, mate. Lala, I've loved talking to you in part one. In part two, when I said, when I shared on my Instagram that you were coming on, I had loads of questions from people who were just dying to sort of pick your brain. So I hope we can do a couple of those. And we've also got books and podcasts and all sorts to talk about. So I'm looking forward to it. Yay! Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.